So Pastor Adam is the state Chi Alpha director, so it means he's in charge of all the Chi Alphas in the state. There's seven or eight of them, seven. And so we were just really honored to have him. If you're at Fall Retreat, you would have seen him up here talking. And another reason Adam is really special to us is because so for Daniel and myself, and actually John, Adam was our youth pastor growing up. So from the, Adam met me when I was like 13 and had really long hair and was pretty goofy looking, but it's okay. So we're just really honored to have Adam here and just to him to give the word to you guys, because he, without Pastor Adam and his wife, Casey, who's in the back, I truly don't think we would be here today, because he just played such a pivotal role in Daniel's and Emily's and mine and Taylor's lives that he is one of the reasons that we are here today. And so we're just so thankful for him. Let's give him a big round of applause as he comes up to give the word. So one thing you will learn very quickly about me is I'm a little boring and serious. But before we get to some serious stuff, um, does anybody want a really fun, funny Derek story? Uh, thought about Daniel, thought about telling some stories about Daniel and Derek, and I've got a number of them, but I'll only tell one because it's also kind of cute. Um, but... When my wife and I were first together, so we were actually, when I became the youth pastor, or became their youth pastor in their first uh, Sunday night of youth group, um, there was four students, and two of them were Daniel and Derek, so um, just kind of a pretty awesome crew there. Um, But my wife and I had been dating for six weeks when we stepped into that role, which is, you know, probably terrible planning. Um... But it worked, and so, but about a year later, I proposed to my wife, and you guys, have you ever heard of that song, If You Like It, Then Put a Ring on It? Anybody? Maybe I'm too old? Gosh, I'm old. Anyway, Beyonce, you probably know who she is, had a song, If You Like It, Then You Better Put a Ring on It. So, at the time, I, like, I've tweeted like 10, 11,000 times, because I used to be ridiculous on Twitter and post all the stinking time. Well, Twitter had this feature, and they might still, I don't really pay that close attention to Twitter anymore, but at the time, they had this feature where you could get SMS text messages whenever someone tweeted anything. And for whatever reason, Derek subscribed to every single tweet that I posted, and he would get it in a text message to his phone, um, which is You know, I tweeted like 10,000 times total, right? So he got a lot of text messages that were random tweets. And now when you get those memories on Facebook, you just look back and you're like, why did I post that? Um, But I, I tweeted out a tweet that said, I liked it, so I put a ring on it. And it was a picture of my wife with her ring on it the night that I proposed. And almost immediately, I got a text message from Derek, which, so Derek was the first person to congratulate us about being engaged, but the tweet said, did you purpose? (laughs) Meaning, did you propose? But, um, and I was like, purpose? Yes, I proposed on purpose. Um, I've got some other good, more good Derek stories than Daniel, because I had Derek for six years in youth group and Daniel for like a year and a half um, because he was a slacker in coming to youth group. No, Um, but I'm just honored to be here and 
so thankful to be here on, on campus at UNI with all of you. Um, so we're going to get a little bit more serious tonight. We're kicking off a sermon series that I was supposed to be doing part two of, but Jane decided to enter the world, so I'm doing part one of tonight. And it's going to be some nuts and bolts and very serious uh, topic of diving in, in devotion, in discipline, which like, man, I'm already like this boring, serious communicator. And then Daniel said, here, do this very serious, boring topic um, that looks a lot like hard work. But if you're taking notes tonight, my main point will be world changers do hard work. See, I believe that because the image of God is imprinted on you, and because you are a son or a daughter of God, meaning you have chosen to follow Christ, you're a world changer. And not just like in this exciting, like, hey, let's go change the world, rah, rah, because we hear a lot of that. And honestly, I'm kind of tired of it. Because I'm tired of seeing the world so broken and messed up and not really seem to be getting any better. And I'm tired of it. But part of it means we have to do hard work in order to see that world change to happen. You know the old adage, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you change the world? It's one person at a time. Well, that first person to change the world and the first person that you're going to see transformed and to continue to see the world changed around you is yourself. And it starts with a deep devotion and discipline in our relationship with God. See, we have to develop these habits and develop this hard work and develop an ethic of pursuing the heart of God, especially when times seem okay or good. Because when times are really bad, and maybe some of you, you're here tonight, and things are really bad in your world, in your life, and things seem to be crashing down, and, and I don't know where you're at, right? But we have to develop the discipline, and we have to develop the relationship and the, the devotion to God when things are okay and good, that they carry us through those down times. But it looks like work. It's really, I love coming into what I call a, a celebration service like this because it's exciting and we, we celebrate the goodness of God. We celebrate the heart of God. We celebrate in this, it's this celebratory praise of all the great things God has done. But there are times when we come into an environment like this and we just don't feel it. And it's hard. I actually love exactly, uh, Jacob, thank you for sharing what you shared earlier, because it fits exactly with where I want to go tonight. It's this idea that, that, that when the storms come, that our house is built, which means our relationship with God is built on that solid foundation. Well, you don't get a solid foundation, but for doing some work. It's easy to have an emotional relationship with God, and it's, it's just based on our emotion when we feel like, I remember when I was in school, they had this phrase, and they would, they would say, uh, there's two times that we worship God, when we feel like it and when we don't, but we continue to worship God. We continue to cling to God, and we continue to have the devotion and the discipline, but it has to be developed over time. 
to carry us and sustain us through all the difficult things. I've got a quote I want to share with you. It's from a really, really old um, book called Celebration of Discipline, which just sounds ironic, right? Let's celebrate discipline. Um, but, it, but it's this idea of the path to spiritual growth. But what he says is superficiality is the curse of our age, which this is an old book, and it's really ironic to me because I feel like our world has gotten even more superficial. But superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. And now you're incredibly talented and gifted people here. You're at the University of Northern Iowa. It's an incredible institution. I mean, not even the Cyclones or the Hawkeyes can hate you and I. But I know that, you, that, God, that God has given you incredible gifts and talents, incredible intellect. Some of you at this school are way smarter and way more devoted to your studies than I will ever comprehend. I was a terrible student. But we've got to be deep people, deep followers of Jesus. We've got to have this spiritual depth to us that goes beyond the emotion, beyond the large group gathering, beyond the exciting moments of our life, beyond the fall retreat moments, the winter conference, the mission trips, the camp experience. Because if our, our devotion and relationship with God is so focused on that, man, when that's gone, what would we have? What's our relationship look like? Is it only built off of hype? Or is it built off of work in relationship out of devotion? You know, what happens when crisis hits our life? Are we able to stand tall and stand solid? See, depth comes from digging. Literally, like you, to get deeper, you've got to dig. But digging often looks like hard work. I mean, I remember when I was little, I was always trying to dig a hole to China. Never got there. Why? Because I didn't work hard enough. Maybe. <laughs> but I never got even deep enough where I could stand in it, and it would be deeper than my head, right? Because I didn't have the work ethic. I didn't have the devotion. I didn't have the discipline to stick to it over time. We read about things like, like this in Scripture. We look at uh, John 15. If you have a Bible, if you have an app, or if you have eyes to look at the screen, you can read along with me. I'll be in the English Standard Version. So John 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 15. Awesome. This is Jesus speaking here. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. 
for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. It's scary. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. It's part of the fruit of and part of the image of being a disciple is abiding. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See, the the tighter we cling to Jesus, the tighter we abide in him, the more joy we experience. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. See, it's really easy and fun and pretty and exciting to say, oh, I'm a friend of Jesus. Jesus is my friend. Um, At least it sounds cool in language among Christian circles. It's kind of weird outside of, you know, Chi Alpha or something. Um, But this idea of abiding means fully trusting God in every piece of our being and, and building a devotion, building a discipline in relationship with God that carries us through the worst kinds of storms. See, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful for people that have gone before me in the faith that have incredible discipline in their life for prayer. See, I'm part of my life is I'm a product of people having gone before me in discipline. What does that mean? means I remember, so uh, about nine years ago, I was taking a class, and the class was being taught by this guy named Pastor Don. I had never met Pastor Don until I showed up at that class that Friday night in Des Moines, and I, I walked up to him. I knew who Don was, but I didn't know Don, right? Like, you, we, you knew who I was before I walked on stage because Derek told you who I was. We still, you still know who I am because I'm standing in front of you, but we don't know each other, Right? Now, that's what my relationship with Don was like. So I walked up to Don after class, and I said, Hi, Don, I'm Adam. And he said, I know who you are. So, okay. See, Don was there when my brother got saved. My brother's 14 years older than me. My brother is the one that led me to know Christ. And he's the one that poured into and discipled and invested in my brother. He's the one that helped teach my brother um, scripture. He helped my brother, to learn and grow and understand who Jesus is. And as he poured into my brother, he and my brother would be praying for me. Because I remember talking, as I, I spoke with Don, he said, yeah, I know who you are. I used to weep for your salvation. I would weep with your brother that you would know Christ. And see, I'm thankful that my brother cared enough about me 
but two, that there was a leader enough to, that, that cared enough to build this discipline of praying on behalf of others and fighting for me. Because one of the most incredible disciplines is fighting in prayer on behalf of those that don't know him yet. And sometimes it's an emotional response like, Jesus, let my family to know you. Jesus, let my roommate to know you. Jesus, help my classmate, my professor, whoever to know you. And it can be this emotional gut response. But it's not always like that. I know for me, often, I, I, I pray, I've got two young boys, they're five and two and a half, and I pray for them every single day that they would grow and be healthy, healthy physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, that they would be developing. That's not always an emotional prayer for me. If you, I'm not super emotional. Well, I have emotions and I feel emotions. I'm just not real good at showing them. Just ask Casey. But for me, that looks like every single morning I'm writing down prayers. Like I could pull out my journal, wherever my backpack is, and show you this is where I'm praying for my boys every single day. For me, it's a discipline of saying, I'm gonna pray for my boys and every single day my boys will be prayed for. Every single day my marriage will be prayed for. Every single day I'm praying for certain people that they would come closer and more intimate with Jesus. And it's discipline and work. Every single day, I'm praying for people that don't know him. I'm praying for people that are hurting and suffering. And I'm building this habit in my life of abiding to the heart of Christ. I'm building this habit of, of going in what we call interceding, which means standing in the gap between God and our friends and our family and standing in there and saying, I will help be a bridge. In the same way, I hope you help develop a habit for, I don't know, three to five people in your life that don't know him. And it wouldn't just be a flippant, like, hey, when we're praying for people to know Jesus, yeah, I pray for my mom. But no, I pray for my mom. And I take this seriously enough that I'm gonna do the work of remembering daily, weekly, whatever. And don't, this is not a guilt trip to say, hey, you should feel guilty for not doing this kind of stuff. That's a lie from the enemy. Because this, these are things that are help drive us deeper and more intimate to the heart of God. I told you we're gonna get serious and boring, right? A dis, another discipline in my life is, is, is reading the Bible. And I'm terrible at reading the Bible on my Bible app. Um, for some of you, that may be a great tool. Download the Bible app. Set a reading plan, get the notifications, that's awesome. I love building the streak sometimes. Sometimes it's confessions of a pastor. I, I like the streak so much that I open the Bible app so it'll keep the streak going and I don't actually read anything. Not because I don't read the Bible, I just am terrible at reading it on my app. I prefer paper and studies show reading comprehension is higher when you read paper, but that's just a random fact in my brain. But if those notifications help you and drive you and systems and structure help push you to open up the Bible and read it, even if it's just that one verse, the verse of the day, start there. Get to 10 days and then read two verses. Start slow. 
because it gets really overwhelming. You know, it's just like back to that whole elephant thing. You eat an elephant one bite at a time. I've never eaten an elephant or a whole elephant, either one. But I have read all of the Bible, but I've never done it in one sitting. If you have, I think you're a liar. (laughs) Or you have way too much time. But you do it by starting with small chunks. Start small. Build the habits in your life that drive you deeper. See, we, we can talk all about abiding and knowing the heart of God and, and being more clear in, in prayer and, and having that devotion, but if we're not actually engaging the written word of God, how do we actually know the will of God? How do we actually know his heart if we're not actually opening the Bible and reading it? And I say opening and holding up a paper Bible, maybe it's an app, whatever. I know I do feel guilty every time. I have this friend, he like crushes his Bible app. Like he just, like every time I get a notification, so-and-so finished another plan. I'm like, what in the world, man? And it's always like when I wake up and I see it, I'm like, this dude is crushing it. But you know what? There's accountability in that. When, you know, maybe it's in your small group and you're going through a Bible plan and you get that notification and you're like, oh, man, they're, really doing it. That shouldn't discourage us. It should encourage us. And we can encourage them as they're doing it. And it becomes a community thing, which by the way, is another discipline is being in the habit of being together, reading scripture together, growing deeper together. And developing a communal aspect, because if we don't do this in community, and Daniel's going to talk a lot more about community, I think next week, but man, we, we miss out on the heart of God because it's not meant to be done in isolation. A relationship with God is not just vertical, it's also horizontal. Vertical meaning up and down, us with God, that is a relationship, but our relationship with God includes those around us. It's, hor- it's vertical and horizontal, both and. We can't do this alone. We're not meant to do this alone. We're meant to do this together on a mission, the mission of God, which you have to know the heart of God, you have to know the word of God in order to accomplish the mission of God. And see, the mission of God includes us changing the world because it's very broken and very messed up and we get to be a part of restoring it one life at a time. Starts with us. Starts with our devotion. One of my favorite disciplines, and I'm just kind of running through these disciplines a little bit randomly because I feel like we're going to get to a different place than I completely thought with my message, um, which is why I told him to close some of my notes earlier. But one of my favorite disciplines is journaling. Um, I've built a habit of journaling for probably 18 years. Some of you are like, I'm 18. How old is this guy? Um, I'm not that old yet. Um, when I was 11 years old, the, one of the most crushing things in the world happened to me. Um, my best friend and my brother uh, died in a car wreck. I, our family wasn't following Jesus. We didn't go to church. We didn't have community around us. We lived in a really small community, like so small I graduated with 34 people from a public high school, small kind of community. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, So our community rallied behind us, but it wasn't faith community. And 
part of like the counseling I went to, because I went to a lot of counseling, um, I think my parents made me go to counseling because it helped them feel better. Um, I thought my counselor was mean, but part of that's because she made me feel my feelings. And as like a sixth grader, that's a little tricky because um, you don't know what your feelings are. Um, but one of the things my counselor helped me to learn and do is to journal my feelings. It's really funny because I don't hardly ever journal my feelings anymore, but it built a habit of journaling. And it's, man, it's, it's powerful. I've got like notebooks on notebooks of, of journals through the years. And, and often my journals look like, God, help me in this area. They're prayers. They're answers to prayers. They're things when God has, has delivered an incredible thing. Sometimes they're like, man, I feel like God's speaking to me. And this, this idea keeps coming to mind. And this, this thought keeps popping in. Like, man, what am I supposed to do with this? And I don't really know. So I write it down. And then I come back later. And I'm like, how did I think of that? I didn't. God was speaking to me. But I built this habit where I can look back. And I'm like, man, God did these incredible things in my life. God spoke to me this promise, and man, that happened months ago. So as we build this habit of journaling, we write down the story of God in our life, and man, when we get to share it later, it's so much more powerful because we have details and tools to say, hey, God did this. I journal every single day. It's like my day is completely messed up and thrown off if I don't get to journal. Um, it's thrown off a little bit when I don't get to do it before I leave the house, which is why I've like got to try to have a discipline of getting up at 5 a.m. to do it because changing the world looks like hard work. Probably won't do that tomorrow, driving back to Des Moines tonight. But, but I'm so thankful that I've built that habit in my life. And often my, my habit of journaling, and um, if there's two of the most profound things that I say tonight, it was read the Bible and this next one. Because um, reading the Bible, you can never go wrong, ever. So if I said nothing else tonight and you walk away with just one thing, read the Bible. Read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. Um, so if you miss everything else, remember that. If you happen to catch something else, I say it's this. Journal. <laughs> I've seen more growth in the last three years in my own personal walk and relationship with Jesus since I've started journaling promises of God. What, what does that mean? For me, I write down, I am a son of God. I, I write down things that I know God has called me specifically to be. Like, I, I feel called to help develop and raise world changers, both across the state of Iowa, <clears throat> in student ministries, which you're a student ministry, you're students in a ministry, so I oversee student kids, youth, college for the state of Iowa in our movement. So I feel called to raise, to be a world changer, raising world changers. Also, I've got two little boys that I, man, I'm convinced they're gonna be world changers. Just ask them, they might say yes. But I write down things like, I am a world changer, raising up world changers. I write things down like, I'm an incredible husband and father, a lot of days I'm not, but I know that's who God calls me to be and God wants me today and to be, and often I don't feel like it. 
I feel like just zoning out on my phone, but I know that's not who God wants me to be, and so I cling tightly to it. I cling tightly to the promises of God and who he says I am, which, by the way, come from Scripture. Going back to the most important point, right? Read the Bible. And they help me to maintain my relationship with God. They help me to abide in Christ when I don't feel like it, when I don't want to, when it hurts. Two things, and then we'll start to wrap up. I always give... Daniel crap for talking so long, and then here I am talking quite a while. Um, sorry, Daniel. I'm sure you'll listen to the recording later if it's recording. If it's not, even better. Um, I'll just tell him I spoke 23 minutes. Um, sorry. It's like pastor to pastor humor. It's not really that funny. Um, <laughs> Nine days ago, my wife, uh, it was a Sunday morning, we both kind of woke up to her phone ringing. And her phone was ringing, it was a phone call from her father, um, which he doesn't call all that often, and um, we just don't talk all that often, especially like, I don't know, it was Sunday, so we slept in, it was like 7.30 in the morning. Um, I know, you're sleeping in, right? Um, we've got kids. And my father-in-law was telling Casey, my wife, that her cousin committed suicide. Um, cousin is 20 years old and some severe, had some severe mental illness and issues in his life um, that he felt the only option was to end his life. Those are days when I don't feel like it. Those are days when I don't even have the words to pray. Those are days where I, I, we don't want to journal. My wife doesn't want to. I'm sure his parents don't want to. But when we've abided in Christ, when it's good, when it's okay, it carries us through those crushing blows. Because that's a crushing blow to our spirit. And reading the word of God, prayers from scripture, are the only thing that can help give us hope and sustain us. Because we know he's good. We know it. Intellectually, we know it. But those are the moments where we just want to cry out, why? How? What is wrong with this broken world? We've got to develop that relationship with God that is so deep that it is unshakable. Unshakable for our devotion, unshakable for our spirit. Because see, the world is going to, it's going to get worse at times, but we can bring hope. We can bring love. We can be ambassadors of Jesus. But it starts with this deep-seated devotion, this anchor to Christ because he is the only thing that can bring us hope and sustain us through crushing blows.
so that when the winds blow, the storms come, our house will not fall. Our house will not be destroyed because we stand on him because he has pulled us closer to him. He has, we've deep-seated that anchor. We've gone, done the hard work. And it will sustain us because there is hope at the end of the day. There is love at the end of the day. And it sustains us through every hardship, every struggle, every pain. I can see and feel the pain in the room right now of all of you thinking of someone or your own self or your own struggle. And you're like, how does this happen? Our world is broken. And Jesus is the only hope we have. He has been faithful for thousands of years. And a lot of the, only, a lot of the reason why we're still able to do what we're doing in this place is because of the discipline of people that have gone before us. And one of the greatest things we can do to honor that is continue to develop that discipline in our life in deep-seated devotion. Band, if you wanna come on up. See, I don't, I don't really know where you're at tonight. I don't know if you're in the middle of struggle. I don't know if you're coming out of struggle. I don't know if this is the best week of your life. I don't know. I don't know you. You don't know me all that well. But what I do know, Jesus can sustain you. The Holy Spirit is, wants to comfort you. The power of God wants to draw you nearer to him. And see, we, we do all these things and we, we, we read the Bible, we pray, we journal, we develop these disciplines and there are, I could give you a whole list of other disciplines that help draw us deeper into God deeper into who God has called you to be, which is a disciple, and a disciple changes the world. See, we know Christianity because 11 disciples took it seriously and took it public, and that's who you're called to be. But it's out of devotion. It's out of clinging to the cross of Jesus that bears all and brings freedom for everything gives us hope to such a broken world. See, world changers do hard work. Disciples do the hard work of developing discipline so that when the storms come, when the winds blow, we'll cling tighter to Jesus. We'll stand tall in the midst of chaos. Actually, can you, everybody, you just bow your heads, close your eyes right now. If you're in this place, if you're in this place and, and you're just, you're facing chaos, and you're like, I need that hope of Jesus. And maybe, maybe it's a struggle that's been happening or something that's happened to you or around you. 
and you're like, Jesus, I need your help to carry me through this. If that's you in this place tonight, I just want to ask you to raise your hand really quick. Dozens of hands all across the room. So you're not alone. You can drop your hands right back down. If you second, I'm going to ask lots of questions. Sorry. If you're in this place tonight, you're like, man, I, I've been through so many things and so many things, and I'm ready to surrender to Jesus for the first time. I'm ready to, to cross the line of faith and say, I want to be a Christian because I want that kind of hope that can sustain me through the struggle, through the pain, and through all the chaos. And I want that. I've never had it before, and I want that. If that's you in this place, I just want to ask you to raise your hand up real quick and drop it right that says, I want to cross that line of faith and choose you, Jesus. God, I pray that this would not just be an emotional response, but something that leads to transformation in their life. Because God, we know that your, your word following you is not just an emotional response, but it is something that leads to transformation in our life. And it looks like work when we get back home. It looks like waking up early. It looks like building systems and structures so we can stand tall and stand strong when the winds blow and the storms come. Jesus, I thank you for their response. I thank you for their willingness to say yes to you. I thank you for drawing us closer to you. God, you are the only hope of this world and it is so broken and so messed up and you are the one that will redeem it because of you have the greatest love that anyone can imagine. We thank you, Jesus. We trust you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Last thing and then I'm going to invite you to stand to sing. And this is a thought that prompted uh, by my wife as we were driving here between, so my aunt lives in town, we dropped my boys off at her, my aunt's house and drove the seven minutes here. So in that seven minutes, it felt a small prompt of God speaking. And, and what was is this, this idea that, so if we look at the Old Testament, and I know it gets really confusing at times, like brothers and sisters and fathers and dad, it's confusing, right? It's just messy. But if we look at the this, the 12 tribes of Israel. So there's a guy named Jacob. He is the father of the nation of Israel. He had 12 sons. His 12 sons, one of them was named Judah. We'll hear songs say the Lion of Judah. We hear that name talked about a lot, which Jesus became out of the lineage of Judah. I know, confusing religious stuff, right? But this is what's significant about it to me. Judah was the first of the 12 sons to come to repentance. That means he turned away from his own natural evil thoughts in the world and turned towards God. Why? Partly because he was one of the most sinful initially. Did some crazy stuff that gets, yeah, just gets messy. 
but he saw the goodness of God and turned from it and repented. Judah, then if you look further, further into the nation of Israel, the history, they went to war all the time gets messy and ugly and really messes with my theology at times when I read it. But almost every single time when they would go to battle, and to me, this is a spiritual thing. This isn't like, hey, nations conquering nations. I I don't care so much about that. I care about spiritual battles because you and I both face them and you know they're real. And when they would enter the battle, Judah was always the first tribe that would go into the battle. What's the significance? Why are we ending this talking about war? The significance is this. Judah means praise. The war was started and fought at the beginning with praise. When we feel struggles coming, when we feel pains happening, when we feel like I don't want to do this, we praise God through the battle. Our response and posture is towards the trust and give back to God our life. We trust him with all of we have, all that we are, all that we have. And we do the work because he's called us to change the world. I'm gonna pray as you stand and they'll lead us into a lesson. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you every single day when we feel like it and when we don't. We trust you because you are our comforter. You are our helper you are good. We love you, Jesus. Continue to draw us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen.